Welcome to Palm Vista Community Church as this morning we continue our series in the letter to the Galatians. We've entitled the series Fresh Faith. So let me ask you a question. Do you have faith this morning? I ask that respectfully because I know there's always going to be some people in a church service that don't have faith. Thank you for coming. Whether it is you're just now exploring it as an adult or maybe you are here because your parents are believers and you're not a believer yet and you're just trying to figure it out. You're a teen maybe. It's very important for you to listen. Very important for you to hear what it is to receive faith. And this series is designed to help you understand that and then we pray God the Holy Spirit to speak that to you. Now, if you have faith, which I suspect is most of you, let me ask this question. Is your faith fresh or has it gotten a little stale? This letter was written to a group of believers whose faith had gotten a little bit stale. And so we are preaching through this letter to the Galatians that we might receive fresh faith if you are not saved or that the faith that you have received would be fresh again. That is the goal of the series. And this morning, the title of our message is Received God's Spirit by Faith. Received God's Spirit by Faith. I know that sounds a little funny, but it's on purpose. Last week, it's made right with God by faith. This week, it's received God's Spirit by faith because they're synonymous. Paul is still talking about the same thing here. God actually is talking about the same thing here. But this week, it's in terms of God's Spirit. Have you received the Spirit of God? And if you have received the Spirit of God... How did you receive him? How did you receive God the Spirit? I want you to stop and think about it. We don't often think in these terms, do we? But have you received God the Holy Spirit? And if you have, how did you receive him? And how do you relate to God the Spirit? Those are the questions that God is answering for us here in this text. Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 to 5. Galatians chapter 3, Verses 1 to 5. Receiving the Spirit of God, receiving God the Spirit, is a game changer. Now let me, let me, by way of review, set the context for you. At the beginning of time, God created man. He created man, male and female, Adam and Eve. And he created them to live forever and ever and ever and ever and ever with him, worshiping him as his image bearers. But they chose to go their own way. They chose to rebel against God. And at that moment, God rightly cursed them. He warned them, don't do this. They did it. He said, there are consequences. And the curse that came was death. But God is so gracious that at that moment, at the beginning of time, with the curse, with the righteous judgment of God, death, came also the promise of life. This promise is called salvation. It's the promise blessing. God said, I will bless you. And the whole Bible, this entire Bible is summed up 
by the story of God fulfilling his promise of blessing down through the ages. Listen, it is the story of mankind. It is the storyline of all mankind. If you think about it, it's the storyline that underlines every good movie, every good book. There is something good and then something bad comes and breaks that something good and then the entire movie or the entire play is how will this problem be resolved? How will this thing, this evil, be exercised out of the situation? And then comes a hero. I mean, Disney has made billions on this (coughs) storyline. And the hero comes in and resolves it. Or the heroine. Someone it's still going on today, man. Whether it's an Avenger or a guy with a steel suit or a thing that's a car that turns into this other thing. I don't know what those things are, but you know what I'm talking about. Or as I like it, you know, Jack Bauer who rides in and saves the day. 24. And then it gets resolved. And then they get on the horse And they ride off into the sunset, happily ever after, with your Prince Charming. Here's the problem. In this world, Prince Charming sometimes ain't so charming. Catch my drift? Sorry, ladies. We can be real bums at times. But we want to be charming. We all want a good resolution, don't we? We buy into it. We watch till the end. We hope the good guy wins, whoever that is. But there is one Prince Charming who is ultimately charming. There is one who will never let you down. There is one hero that's not flawed. It's Jesus. That's what's being played out in Galatians. You understand? That's the idea here. And so what's happened is, now zoom in from Prince Charming, the Avengers, and Disney. Now zoom in to the first century A.D., around 48 A.D., almost 2,000 years ago, and zoom in to a Jewish guy named Paul who all his life was looking for that avenger, that, that one who would deliver him. It's called Messiah. The promise of God. He knew he could trace that promise. He's a Jew after all. I mean, the promise was given to a Jew, Abraham, around 2000 BC. And then the promise was further to another Jew, Moses, around 1400 BC. And then the promise was to another Jew, a King David, in 1000 BC. And it's tracing down and he's thinking, where is the avenger? Where is the promise? I'm sitting here under the captivity of the Roman Empire in, in, in around 10 or 15 or 20 AD. And, and where is the avenger? Where is the Messiah? And suddenly this guy says, I'm the Messiah. Jesus. And they crucified him. So Paul's thinking, well, obviously that's not the Messiah. But a funny thing happened. A few years later, while Paul is writing to kill people that are following Jesus, Jesus shows up. The Bible tells us that Paul, Jesus appeared to Paul. And he says, uh, Paul, I am the Messiah. <laughs> but not just the Messiah of Israel, your king, I am savior of the world. And Paul, here's the deal. It's not just for the Jew, it's for the Jew and the Gentile. And here's the deal. You don't become right with God by the Jewish law, by observing the kosher laws, or by being circumcised. You become right, right with God by my life, my death, my resurrection, my ascension. And Paul says, yes. Bowser's needed Jesus, and 14 years later, he goes to this area called Galatia. 
Galatians. And I've got a map for you somewhere. Here it is. I know. We're going to get bigger TVs one day. Pray that we get bigger TVs one day. I know they're small. You know they're small. Just imagine they're big, okay? Follow your heart and imagine they're big. So on the right side of this screen, you can barely see it. You see the coast of Israel, very far right hand. That is the Mediterranean. And if you, if you go right down to the middle of that little area, you'll see Jerusalem. And then up is Antioch in Syria, where all the fighting's going on today. And if you round the bend and turn left, you go to where Corey was just visiting, Turkey, modern-day Turkey. That's Galatia. So Paul, around 47 AD, after knowing the Lord now for about 14 years, God sends him on a missionary journey. He goes to Galatia, and now he's preaching this gospel that is Christ, Christ crucified, Christ raised from the dead, Christ living as king. He preaches it, and a bunch of Gentiles, pagans, are saved. And then he comes back from that missionary journey to Antioch, on the right-hand side there. That's his home church. And at this church... There's a lot of people who were Jewish who have believed in Jesus now as Messiah and a lot of people who were just pagans and believed in Jesus. And this is the first time they're actually called Christians. We read in the Bible in Antioch. Everybody's happy. Paul is preaching the gospel to Gentiles, saved by faith alone in Christ alone, last week's message. Peter is preaching the gospel to Jews, saved by faith alone in Christ alone. But a funny thing happened. Some Jews in Jerusalem, and you can understand this, who had this law for 2,000 or 1,400 years, who believed in Jesus as Messiah, said you have to add the works of the law to your faith in Christ to be made right with God. So what they were saying to the Gentiles in Galatia is that, yes, you need to believe in Jesus as your Messiah, but you also need to keep the kosher laws, the Jewish laws, and you need to be circumcised. You need to add works of the law to faith in Christ to be made right with God. And those Jews who lived in Jerusalem went up and visited Peter in Antioch, that town on the right-hand side there, his home church. And Paul was there. So this is about a year after Paul had preached the gospel to the the people in Galatia. They had gotten saved. There was churches there. And the Jews, when they came up to Antioch, Peter, knowing that these guys felt like if you were Jewish and a believer, you could not eat with a Gentile who's a believer because that Gentile does not keep the kosher laws. Right when they got there, Peter stopped eating with his Gentile brothers and sisters in Christ. Paul said, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's hypocrisy. You've got stale faith, Peter. You are saying that it's not Jesus alone, faith in Christ alone. You're saying that I've got to believe in Jesus and I've got to keep the Jewish law. In fact, the way it says it in Galatians is, how, the way it says it in Galatians is, how can you, a Jew, say that the Gentiles have to live as Jews to be made right with God? This is last week's message. And Paul confronts Peter at the end of chapter 2, verses 15 to 21. But now at the beginning of chapter 3, verses 1 to 5, he turns his attention from Peter, where he rebuked Peter, and he said, Peter, you cannot add works to faith in Christ as the basis, as the means by which one is saved or made right with God. Now he turns to the Galatians, in Galatia, and he says, hey guys, you're Gentiles. You've bought into this stuff, this wrong doctrine being preached by these false brothers from Jerusalem. 
I've already rebuked Peter to his face in Antioch. Now I'm going to talk to you. Because you have become enamored. You've become enamored. You've become fascinated with the Jewish law and with circumcision and the dietary fads. And you think you have to be like a vegan to be saved. You think you've got to give up pork to be saved. As Cuban-American, that would be really tough. I joke, but I don't. He was telling them, you've got to be a Jew to be made right with God. You think that, and I'm telling you, you don't. But the way he talks to them about it is, he says it this way. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing with faith? Stay with me. So in the first instance, it was, are you made right, justified with God through the works of the law or by faith in Christ? This week, it's the same thing. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing with faith? And the reason that's so important is because back to the big picture, when God said, I'm going to bless you, the way God blesses us is through Jesus Christ who is God the Son who came and lived and died and rose from the dead for our salvation, and then God the Spirit, one God, three persons, who then applies the work of God the Son, his redemptive work, to our hearts and gives us new life. So what he's saying is, you're justified by faith alone in Christ, and you can't add the works of the law, and the fact that you're justified means you have received the Spirit of God. He's the one that applies the work of God the Son to your life to save you. So he asked them, did you receive the Spirit, receive God's Spirit, by works of the law or by faith? And that's the answer that is given in this text. So let's read it. Galatians 3, 1 to 5. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Paul asked them these rhetorical questions because he's trying to wake them up because they're under a spell from these false brothers as if somehow they could earn God's salvation. Were you made right with God because of the works of the law? It's a rhetorical question. Of course not. We're pagans from Galatia. We didn't even know what the law was. It's not like we were Jewish people who understood the law and then put our faith in Christ. We're pagans. So you were not made right with God by the works of the law. You did not receive the Spirit by the works of the law. So why now are you trying to conclude what God began by the Spirit through the works of the law? You've become enamored and fascinated with that which cannot help you when it comes to being right with God, when it comes to becoming alive to God, when it comes to inheriting or receiving the promised blessing. 
that only comes in Christ and can only be made alive to you by God the Spirit. So Paul is asking them this question. And he's asking us this question this morning. Did you receive the Spirit by your works? Could you do something that God would give you His Spirit? Or is it totally by faith? And the answer given to us in this text is the main point of our sermon this morning on the screen. Receive and relate to God the Spirit by faith. Receive and relate to God the Spirit by faith. Receive God the Spirit by faith. And relate to God the Spirit by faith. And what he does here is he takes them back to the day they were saved. All these rhetorical questions are designed to take them back to the day that they were saved. Can I take you back to the day you were saved? Do you remember that day? What was it like? Did God save you because you figured it all out? And you had so many good things going for you that he saved you? Did he? Did he? I can remember reading the Bible while stoned in my living room. Stoned. Do they still use those words today? High. Ah, baked. I was baked. I've seen that commercial. Right? You, you drive baked and you get whatever caked or I don't know, whatever that is. I had smoked pot and was in my living room reading the King James Version because my best friend had been saved recently. Oh yeah, God definitely saved me because of my good works. (laughs) Are you kidding me? So he's asking them, so why would you think that you received the Spirit because of your good works? If the Spirit is the game changer, if it is the gift that changes everything, if it is the thing promised at the beginning of time when the curse came and we lost it all and God said, all through the ages, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you a gift you could never earn. I'm going to give you a gift that's beyond all price. And if that gift is the Holy Spirit, how in the world can you think that you earned it? But the Galatians thought they did. Do you get that? Because they bought into the lie that somehow, if I keep the law, if I eat good kosher food, if I go to your local vegan restaurant and get your organic bean sprouts, right? Like some of you eat now. I'm somehow going to get from God more blessings, more favor, and the Spirit comes to me. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm being, that's a euphemism, I'm, I'm kind of joking with you, but Here's my question. What do you think you add to faith in Christ that makes God bless you more than he does? Can I ask you that question? What can you add to God, to your faith, so that God would favor you or bless you? Did it start that way with you? Did it? Well, it can't end that way with you. It's not going to progress that way with you. But we all do it, don't we? The day that I seem to do better, I feel closer to God. And the day that I really blow it, I feel like God's a thousand miles away. It's called the good day, bad day scenario. Is God any more for you on the days that you act like a good little boy or girl than on the days when you act like a very bad little boy and girl? Now, I'm talking about Christians here. But it's subtle, isn't it? It's subtle. And then what happens is our faith gets stale. And it becomes hypocrisy. And it becomes a duty 
and we're play acting and we get lethargic. And, and Paul is saying, snap out of it. He's saying, listen, point one, receive God the Spirit by faith. He's saying to those Galatians, don't be such fools. Who has bewitched you? Put your finger on that word there. You see it? Verse 1. We are in Galatians 3. It is Sunday, July 15th. I know that France is playing Croatia right now. What is more important? Listen, I want to be there too watching it, all right? But this is more important. (laughs) Look at it with me. Oh, foolish Galatians! Exclamation point. Are you there? Please tell me you're there. Who has bewitched you? In the Greek, that word can also be translated, who has cast a spell on you? Put a spell on you. What's funny there, it's not funny to you, but it's hilarious if you understand the history, is the Galatians had a lot in common with the first generation Cuban exiles in Hialeah. You know the ones that that kidnap your pigeon or your duck and strangle it and put it in a bag and throw it in a canal in Hialeah and then put all the curses that were on you on that duck or pigeon? Or Come on, don't look at me so religiously. You, got, you have someone that's done that, right? <laughs> or, the, or you're brought to a curandero or a curandera. They, were, they, they tried to use magic to manipulate the spirit world. They tried to use magic to manipulate what was going on around them. And so Paul is saying, listen, you've been saved from that. You now know the God of all the universe, the God of all creation. Who put this spell on you to think that you can manipulate God to give you his spirit by obeying the law? That's what they were doing. Well, I'm not going to eat with you, even though you're a brother or sister in Christ, but you're a Gentile brother and sister in Christ, you're not circumcised and you don't keep the dietary laws, so I'm not eating with you. What a hypocrite. As if doing all that is going to give you the Spirit of God. And he's saying, you're acting like a bunch of pagans that you were before God saved you. Remember the day God saved you. God saved you from that stuff. You can't manipulate things by magic or incantations or cutting the head off of a a bird and throwing it in a bag in a canal in Hialeah. You can only receive God's blessing by faith in Jesus Christ and his spirit, which you receive by faith in Jesus Christ. And and he, he, he points them back to the cross. Look at verse one, the second part. It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. You see that in verse 1? First part of verse 1. Who bewitched you? Who put a spell on you? It was those false brothers from Jerusalem, those Jewish believers who said you had to add the law to faith. But the second part is, it was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. How could that be true? Paul wrote this in 48 A.D., These guys probably weren't saved. They maybe were saved a year or two earlier. And when was Jesus crucified? 33 AD. So what does Paul mean by this? Well, this is referring to what Paul said at the end of chapter 2. When he said to Peter, Peter, either you give up using the law as the means by which you are made right with God, or you renounce the cross as the means by which you're made right with God. You can't have them both. And what he's saying to the Galatian Gentile believers is that when I preached the gospel to you guys a year and a half ago, 
And God gave his spirit, and it was so powerful. And I was walking through the mountains of Galatia, the Tarsus Mountains, and I came up on a village, and I came up on a a group of you, and you were pagans worshiping idols that could never save you. And God anointed me, this little Jewish guy, who grew up as, as, a, as a Pharisee, and suddenly I'm with this, these wild and crazy Galatian pagans. I'm at South Beach, and I grew up in like rural South Carolina with, a, with an accent. And I go to South Beach, and God pours his spirit out upon me, and all these really cool people, cool in the world's eyes, hear the gospel, and they bow their knees, and they throw away their idols, and they put some clothes on, and they throw away their drugs, and they say, I believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And churches are formed. Paul says, on that day, the preaching was so powerful that it was as if you were there in person, live, an eyewitness to Christ's crucifixion. Because friends, the cross of Christ will always be, has always been at the center of God's message of redemption. Jesus was crucified before the foundation of the world. I don't fully understand it either, but it's true. And Jesus Christ was always destined and born from all eternity to come and live the perfect life and hang on that cross naked, in shame, under the wrath of God. And that point is the point of salvation. That is why God adjudicates us justified on the final day. Not because of what I do or you do, any money we can give, any law we can obey. It is that point. And it's so vivid, Galatians. Remember that day. It was as if you were there. See, elsewhere, Paul says this, 1 Corinthians 2 2, the centrality of the cross to the message of the gospel. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And in 1 Corinthians 15 3 through 4, Paul wrote this. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I always received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, Old Testament, New Testament, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. You want to know the gospel? It's Jesus, his life, death, resurrection, and ascension. See, the Galatians had become fascinated with the law as an add-on to salvation, the law as an add-on to how they would receive the Spirit. And Paul is saying to them, if you are fascinated with that which God is not making central, the cross, then you're wrong. And he says it to us too. What are you fascinated with? Is it a particular preacher? Is it a book? What is it? My friends, if the cross isn't at the center of your focus, then your faith will become stale and you will subtly add things on to faith. May that never be. He asked him in verse 2, let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Works of the law means obedience to the law. Hearing with faith means hearing the message of the gospel. The Spirit is the game changer. See, what he does is he applies the work of God the Son in salvation. So receiving the Spirit means hearing with faith, means God, the Spirit, comes and makes my heart, which is dead, alive. Comes and makes my wicked heart sorry for its sin, conviction. Comes and gives me faith to place that faith in Christ. Comes and gives sight to my blind eyes. I'm just blind and suddenly he comes and I can see. Jesus, my sin, ah, faith. 
comes and makes, enables me to hear. I'm deaf. People are screaming at me. Everybody, hell, get out of the road. Cars are coming. Get out of the road. Metaphor, okay? Get out of the road. Suddenly, God opens my ears. I'm in the road. Let me get out of the road. By faith in Christ, be made right with God. Looking at that last day of judgment, and on that day, I'm adjudicated as justified because of Jesus, and now I get it. Not because I deserve it, but because he gives it to me graciously. That's what he says when he says, were you given the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? The Spirit gives me hope. The Spirit points me. The Spirit helps me understand the Bible. The Spirit changes me. Uh, I become now a man or you become a woman whose character uh, is like Christ, the fruits of the Spirit. The Spirit gives me power. The Spirit gives me the gifts of the Spirit, tongues, prophecy, healing, service, giving, all those gifts of the Spirit. I have a new life. I have a new hope. I see eternity. I don't just live for today, but I live for that day. It's the Spirit that gives me all that. Is that not a game changer for you? How do you receive that? By faith or by works of the law? By your works. It doesn't make any sense to say by your works, right? It's like Paul's trying to snap them out of it. But I love this one. You know what else the Spirit does? And I felt this from the Holy Spirit for you guys. He communicates to us that God has adopted us into his family. See, that was the the question. If you're a Gentile pagan from Hialeah, How can you become part of God's family who are all, you know, hooty snooty, who have had the law for thousands of years, 1,400 years, a Jew, they're kosher, they're circumcised. (laughs) I don't want to do that. Uh, They're, you know, they're all set. Are you kidding me? Are we going to adopt that person? And And Paul, God says, oh yeah, let's bring this person down because they're a sinner Let's, let's let this person know that they're a sinner. And then let's say, you now become part of my family. The richest family ever. The eternal family. The richest beyond anything anybody can ever imagine. You become that by my spirit who is given to you because of what my son has done. God the son. God the spirit. And that's how you're adopted into the family of God. You're no longer orphans. That's one of the pictures in the Bible. So the spirit is the spirit of adoption. Look at this passage. This is for some of you this morning. You feel alone. You feel left out of the family of God. You feel like you're a misfit. You feel like you're sitting in this uh, room and you're you're a fraud. Like you don't belong here because of all the things you've done. That is not true. That is the lie from the false brothers from Jerusalem. Listen to me. If you have the spirit and if you've believed in Christ, you are part of this family. Because God says so. Look at this text. Romans 8, 14 to 15. For all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Don't go back to the law. It could never give you life. But you have received the spirit of adoption. That's the Holy Spirit, God the Spirit, as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Remember Peter himself some maybe 15 years earlier, got in trouble for preaching and eating with a bunch of Gentiles. Don't go there. Look at it later in Acts chapter 10. 
Because God told him, go preach to this guy, Cornelius, because he's a God-fearer, though he's a Roman centurion. He's been, he's like, I've got my hand on his life. He doesn't know anything from anything. He's not a Jew. Go preach to him. And Peter said, no, God, I can't go preach to him. He's an unclean pagan. And God drops down this sheet with all these kind of animals that Peter wasn't supposed to eat. And God said, what I've made clean, don't you call unclean. Peter said, yes, sir, Lord. Gets up and walks over to Cornelius' house and says, hey, I'm supposed to come eat with you, which was shocking. And he starts preaching the gospel to Cornelius. And in the middle of his sermon, Cornelius starts speaking in tongues. And starts prophesying. And all the people around there bow down and worship Jesus Christ as Lord. And Peter didn't even finish his sermon. And God saves them all and gives them his spirit. On the way back home, he gets back to Jerusalem. And his Jewish believing brothers and sisters, Jewish Christians if you could say that, We're giving him a hard time. What are you doing going to Cornelius? Peter says this. How can I deny one whom God has given his spirit, the very gospel of Jesus Christ? What's he saying? You're part of God's family because he gave you his spirit. See, now, do you understand why I say, do you have the Holy Spirit? Have you received the Holy Spirit? It's the spirit of adoption. It's the spirit of adoption. Point two. Not only do you receive the Spirit by faith, but you relate to God the Spirit by faith. You relate to God the Spirit by faith. Look at verse 3. Verses 1 and 2 is how do we receive the Spirit? How are we made right with God? Still justification by faith. Verse 3 is how do we walk this thing out? Look at it. Are you so foolish? Notice he uses that term again. He started it off by saying, oh foolish Galatians. Paul was, was being very real. He was calling them out. And in verse 3, are you so foolish, question mark, have you begun by the Spirit, excuse me, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Friends, you cannot finish in the flesh what God began in the Spirit. It starts by faith in Christ alone. It progresses by faith in Christ alone, what we call sanctification, and it will be consummated by faith in Christ alone, that all the glory might be to him, for from him, through him, and back to him, goes goes the glory. So don't add the law to this. That's what he's saying. It is the Spirit that authenticates our salvation. It is the Spirit that guarantees God's work will be completed in us. We will look like Jesus one day in our character. We will have eternity with our God. Paradise will be restored. Paradise lost at the beginning because of sin. Restored because of our Savior Jesus. And we are being transformed into His image. One day we will have it forever and ever and ever. Guaranteed. The Spirit tells us that. And we relate to God by faith. We relate to God the Spirit by faith. I love this passage. Ezekiel 36 on the screen. Verses 26 to 27. The reason we relate to God the Spirit by faith because He is the the Spirit of promise. It's the promise that we receive by faith. Here's what it says. Old Testament. And I will give you a new heart. The Spirit does that. And a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh. This is called conversion. And give you a heart of flesh. That's not flesh like in the evil sense, but a heart now that is awake to God. And I will put my spirit within you. This is Ezekiel. 
This is hundreds of years before Jesus came. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. So Paul is saying, listen, this whole thing began by faith in Christ and by the spirit that God, the spirit who's been given you. Don't think you're going to complete it in the flesh by your own strength. It is by faith. Don't go back to the flesh. Don't go back to the law. Look, it's summarized in verse 5. You can read it with me. Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? That's a rhetorical question. The answer is he does it by faith. Oh, Galatians, do you remember when you were worshiping pagan idols and the miracle of regeneration and salvation came? Do you remember when I was there and God the Spirit began to move in your midst? God alone has given you his spirit. God the Father sent God the Son to live the perfect life and die the sacrificial death. He raised God the Son from the dead and God the Son has ascended into heaven where he pleads right now and intercedes for every true believer by faith. That same one who has made us right before God on that day of judgment in the future when he returns, it is that one who is for us today. God the Son and God the Father sent God the Spirit After God the Son ascended into heaven, that's what happened on the day of Pentecost. And the Spirit has been given to us to apply the work of God the Son into our lives, to justify us by faith. Therefore, we receive the Spirit of God by faith. We relate to God by faith and not by works. Now, how do you know if you're relating to God by faith and not by works? Here's how you know. Do you often find yourself nervous before God the Spirit? Like sitting in the front seat with your dad when you know you've done something wrong. Just hoping he doesn't talk to you about it or even know about it. (laughs) Like you love him. You love your dad. He's awesome. But you're really nervous because like you feel like you're really in trouble. Do you feel like that with God? Can I just suggest that you might be relating to God by your works rather than by faith in Christ? I'm not saying God's not going to discipline you. He will. But it'll be for your good and his glory. It'll be a good thing. Do you feel like you have to earn his blessing or his favor? Are you comfortable in God's presence? Or do you feel a residual guilt for your sins? Just as you've been made right with God by faith, so you received God the Spirit by faith, therefore relate to him by faith, confident in Christ's righteousness, not your own. It is from this place of faith that you can boldly approach God, good day or bad, happy day or sad. On the days that you are commending God and singing his praises or on the days where you're complaining against God and just saying, Lord, I just don't get it, man. On both those days, you're made right by the blood of Jesus and you're given his spirit by faith, not by works. God has made you right and given you his spirit by faith. Let us pray. Worship team, please join me. Lord, help us to understand these truths and give us faith. Lord, I'm I'm moved to pray for that person right now that has felt outside of God's family. Perhaps they felt outside of this church or any church. I pray for the ones that might listen to this audio or might watch the video of it. And they're saying, the reason I don't go to church is because I really don't fit. I believe in Jesus, but man, my life's a mess. I, I just don't belong there. The enemy of their soul has put them under a spell. 
where they have to add being a good little boy or girl to be part of your family and father. That is a lie from the pit of hell. And I pray your word would dispel that lie and bring the truth that you have made them right by faith in Christ and you have given them your spirit, God the spirit, by faith in Christ. Lord, draw them back in. Lord, make our faith fresh at Palm Vista, that it, the, the staleness of, of legalism and hypocrisy and moralism and feeling like we're better than others because maybe we attend church or give of our finances or do good deeds would be banished and that we would say to all who would listen, we are made righteous by faith alone in Christ alone. It is his righteousness. We belong because God has given us his spirit by faith and that we would embrace them and say, come, repent, Believe in Jesus, who is your righteousness. Pour out your spirit upon us this morning as we sing to you. Blessed is the one. Oh, Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let us stand and let us sing that song as a closing prayer. Blessed is the one.